<laughs> oh my gosh, we are here. This is Stick the Landing. I'm Devin, and this is... You already said it was Stick the Landing. Why do you sound so distraught? Uh, you're supposed to say you're James. Oh, I'm James. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, welcome to Stick the Landing. I'm Devin. Uh, I'm I'm three billboards. No. Okay. I'm De- I'm and Francis go. McDo- and Francis McDonough? <laughs> I'm Francis McDonut, and this is Stick the Landing, a podcast where we talk about the endings of movies and the rest of the movies. What's the opposite of sticking the landing? Um, in in terms, in, if we're talking about starting something, because we just shit the bed hard. <laughs> you can you can shit the landing, or you can. Uh... Anyway, yeah, we're talking about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes, we are. Um, Really rolls off the tongue, that title. We were going to talk about just the first two billboards, but I said, you know what? You want to get them all in. I'm not half-assing this. We're talking (laughs) about all three of them. Uh, Yeah, I think if we only do the first two billboards, we'd be missing like a third of the plot. That's Um, true. So yeah, this is a movie podcast where we talk about the ends of movies and whether or not they're any good. Uh, And we're talking this season about the 2017 Oscar nominees for Best Picture, and uh, we've come to... Uh, the first hard no for me. First hard no. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, we talked, I think Darkest Hour was, I was, eh. Mm-hmm. This is the first one I got to put my foot down. I'm, I'm, it doesn't stick, no landing. That is not a hard no for me in terms of whether or not I like this movie. I don't know if it sticks to landing or not, but as far as the movie goes, it's like a soft, eh. Okay, the whole movie? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, so the, the, the plot of this movie is... A woman's daughter gets raped and killed, and the cops don't do anything about it, so she buys three billboards to antagonize them, and then nothing else happens. It stirs up a small town. Well, I think what's uh, frustrating about this movie is that I wanted this to be a movie about Frances McDormand's arc as a mother grieving her child yeah. and, and avenging her child. And instead, it turned into like a racism redemption story for Sam Rockwell, who is... Which, which we'll get into all of this, but yeah, yeah why did that happen? Um, but yeah, I, the end of the movie, it's hard for me because, A, I'm such a big fan of Martin McDonough. Yeah. Um, I, I still am. I don't hate this movie, but it's just like kind of a... But you're Martin McDonough with it. I'm, you know what? I think I am Martin McDonough with this one. But after In Bruges, which is like... It's got to be like my top ten of the last like twenty years, probably. Martin Bruges McDonough. <laughs> this is you can't do the next one, and then Seven Psychopaths. There's nothing there for you. Um, but after those two movies, I was like, okay, this is one of my new guys. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Three Billboards is fine. Yeah. But it's uh, I think there are other movies which we'll talk about later in the season uh, that I would have loved to have seen get nominated for Best Picture, and this movie could very easily be plucked out. Yeah. Um. But getting back into the end of the movie, this is uh, the end of this movie is so up my alley in terms of like shit that I like. Like yes. I'm into that kind of ambiguous. Oh, did they actually? So yeah, her and Sam Rockwell get in a car and go off to potentially kill a guy who wasn't the daughter's rapist or murderer, but they a think rapist a murderer. rapist and murder, and they just want to avenge something. Um, it, it, Which I like. Honestly, I'm here for that. If the movie started. 10 minutes before it ended, and then we saw that story. Interesting. You know, if it's With, like, yes. hey, we're not going to catch my daughter's killer, but this guy's a killer, let's go kill him. Sure. Okay. I yeah. watched that movie. Um, and even not getting to that point, but like that, the last scene, 
I guess this is the thing with this movie is it's made up of so many little scenes and so many um, elements individually that I love. I think yes. like every scene in this movie works really well. I think um, the tone of it is really cool and there's a lot of really good dialogue. But when you put it all together doesn't feel like a cohesive no it doesn't none of it works um and the end of this movie i think is just kind of uh martin make none of it works <sighs> don't lob it up in the air if you don't want me to fucking dump it <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair <laughs> um martin mcduncan <laughs> mcduncan Duncan. Okay, i'm sorry thought we were going like a weird dunkin donuts route um <laughs> On a serious note, um, it's it, it's just a very disjointed movie that I think probably could have used like one more pass at the script to like make sure it was yeah c- completely working. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think the end of this movie is like almost really good, and then it's just not. I think at the core, the issue I have with this movie is it doesn't lean hard enough into either being an ensemble piece or being one character's movie, you know? Yes. Because yeah. there there's a version of this movie where it is like a real even third of Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, and Francis McDormand, but it feels like it that balances off, so it's not really like a... I don't know whose movie this is. No. You know, um, and I don't think the movie knows whose movie this is either. Um, and the other... I think what McDonough does really well with his first two films was the comedy um, and like the absurdity of like what's going on and like highlighting that. And it almost seems like he kind of wanted to parts of this movie feel like a Coen brothers movie. Yes. But done wrong. Like the parts with Francis McDormand. Okay. That's (laughs) (laughs) all right. (laughs) Wasn't going there, but yeah, absolutely. But it, it feels like him kind of trying to do a, little bit more serious of a yeah you know um and it just i don't think it works there's a, as there's well. a little like no country for old men in here mm-hmm. meets kind of like burn after reading where it's just kind of like yeah that's, senseless chaos right right um so i i don't even know where to start i should we start at the start Start with caleb landry jones let's man. always start with caleb landry jones <laughs> so good in this movie the movie starts with francis mcdormand uh Going and renting out three billboards outside um, of outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from Caleb Landry Jones, who's like a weird advertising. My favorite person in over. the world is this character. Yes, <laughs> I love him so much. He's like, yeah, it, he's playing this like obviously nervous and like anxious kid, squirrely, very squirrely, but also wearing. also tr- looking great in that fucking vest. How tall um, do you think he is, Caleb Landry Jones? Yeah, like. 5'10", 5'11"? I thought he would, like, sometimes in this movie I was like, he's really tall. Like, I thought he was like 6'4". I looked it up, he's 5'11". Oh, wow. I'm, I stuck the landing on that one. Um, but, yeah, he's got this weird vibe where he's, like, trying to be confident because he's a business owner, but yeah. he's young, and everyone around him is way more intimidating than, than he is. Um, he has my favorite line in the movie, which is when Harrelson and the other cop come and ask him why the hell he put the billboards up and uh he just said a little book called uh, suck my ass none of your business <laughs> that's that's the best line in the whole movie um but uh, yeah he his character is fine i guess I, he's just sort of there um he's obstructive to the police at certain points but then nervous about it and then he also is obstructive to francis mcdormand at times because the police are yeah he's nervous yeah. about everything yeah yeah and then he has these two forces of nature with Woody Harrelson and uh, 
Francis McDormand coming, and every time they show up, he's just like shaking in his boots. So to give a rundown of who these characters are, Francis McDormand is a mother whose uh, daughter six months ago was raped and killed, uh, and yes. they cannot find her killer. Woody Harrelson is the police chief of this small town, who is a good guy. Yes. Has cancer and is dying, and is in an antagonistic relationship, sort of, with Francis McDormand. I guess. And then Sam Rockwell plays this racist, abusive police officer who tortures people and is dumb as shit. And is the hero of the movie. And is the hero of the movie. I'm trying not to get like too rambunctious right now, but you could put this movie out in like the early 2000s where this isn't like an important uh, political topic, but to put it out this year, and this movie has police brutality in it. Yep. This movie has like serious homophobia and racism in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not using like he. Those are sensitive subjects right now. I don't want to speak for Martin McDonough because I don't know what his intention was with this movie. But I feel like if this were made by an American filmmaker, it would have a different attitude towards some of those things. It might, yeah. But as a cultural outsider, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. But yeah, I mean, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna like address something here and it's like oh no those are the that's the good guy like yeah like sam rockwell what is his redemption arc that he gets like kind of burns on his face and now he's a good guy yes and that's like this is this is going back to my first point where it's uh, you're talking about a bunch of disjointed elements i like how evil sam rockwell is in the beginning i think his, his character is super interesting because sam rockwell fucking rules yeah um and i also like him at the end of the movie where he's been sort of redeemed and he's kind of like trying his best to do the right thing. But this, the thing that makes him go from point A to point B is like he reads like a note and then gets caught in a fire and is like, oh, I'm a good person now. And it's like, are we supposed to be empathetic to him because Max mom from It's Always Sunny is mean to him sometimes? I, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But there is something like the movie wants you to like him. Yes, you know it's the and Sam Rockwell's natural charisma shines through so much yes. that I understand why his character is so magnetic. But I feel like that is in spite of the character as written, not because of it. Yes, I agree. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, he's definitely the most like problematic part of this movie. I think his character because I, given the right push from that kind of heel character into being sort of like the supporting hero of the, sh- the movie, this could be cool. Yeah. You know, um, and we can talk about Woody Harrelson now. His character, I don't understand the suicide plot. I don't get it. I actually liked that. Okay. I think, you know, he's got very severe pancreatic cancer. You have this very jarring moment where he's in an argument with Francis McDormand, oh. and then he coughs blood into her face. See, this is the thing about this movie is you could point at any scene, and I'll be like, yes. I love that scene. But it doesn't all work together. But that scene actually is her reaction, where she immediately just drops the whole fight and is like, okay, we got to take care of each other as humans. For a guy who wants to make these big movies, Martin McDonough's strengths are these two people sitting down scenes. Yes. You know, the, the mm-hmm. most dynamic parts of this movie aren't, fires or fights there two people at a bar two people in a in a interrogation room right 
Right. Uh, you know, that's you can tell that's his bread and butter, even if he is so desperate not to be a playwright anymore. But Woody Harrison's character in this, it's like he has pancreatic cancer and he's got he's cancer in a major die. organ, Doc. That's another good line. Uh, he's he's has this nice last day with his wife and then kills himself and then writes all these notes and he's like, psych, I'm the coolest dude. Right, like, <laughs> I didn't get like, the note to his wife was cute. Right. The note to Francis McDormand was like, oh. his wife is British, correct? Or or, or Irish, or something. something. She's something. Yeah. I didn't notice that until halfway through this. Yeah, movie. it's really weird. Like it's a subtle at accent first, that what, like creeps up on you when she's drunk and they're talking on the couch right before he kills himself. She's speaking with a British Irish accent. I forget. Okay. And I thought she was doing that like as a bit in the movie. Like she was just doing oh, it because they were in talking about like moment. Oscar Wilde or, yeah. Wilde or something. I like was that? like, oh, she's just doing a little British thing, and then she's talking later, and she still has an accent. And I was like, oh, she's she's been yeah, the whole British time this whole time, and I had yes. no idea. Uh, yeah, it's a weird accent. I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean the the note that you that you're hearing when Sam Rockwell is in the police station, um, it doesn't. None of that screams like. Oh, this character's gonna actually take this to heart, and like it's just yeah. kind of Woody Harrelson being like, "You just gotta be nice to people and and love people, and then you can be a good detective." Which I think you, it's like okay, it's like you a half-ass motivational now, actually, speech. Now that we're talking about it, though, maybe what we're supposed to get from that is he gets this note that is really heartfelt and telling him to do all these things, and you assume like, "Oh, he's not gonna care." But the fact that he gets set on fire and almost dies while he's reading it, maybe that's supposed to like. Well, and he grabs the Angela Hayes yeah. file um, and jumps out of the building, which I think that's like one of the only scenes in the movie where it kind of derails the rest of the movie for me. Like if that scene worked for me, I probably would have liked everything else. I would have right. liked Rockwell's redemption. I would have liked. Pro- I probably would have liked Harrelson's suicide more. Um, if they had given him, if they had given Sam Rockwell one more thing, like I don't something. know what the fix yeah, is. Me either. But one more thing. But yeah, I mean, in the beginning, you got that scene where. Uh, the one guy's oh he he tortured a he tortured a, a black guy and Harrelson's like there was no real evidence and that's like the last you hear of yeah. it. It's like wait, did he? Like you never know if he did or didn't. And that's I, why I, it was satisfying when the police chief comes to town right after Sam yes. Rockwell has thrown Caleb Landry Jones out the window. That's my we'll get to that, but that's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Um but yeah, the police chief who is he? He's he's a character actor who's been in a ton of stuff. I don't remember his name offhand. I can try and look it up. But yeah, that's he was fantastic. He was outstanding in this movie. Um, yeah, how's how's going? Uh, giving me your gunny badge. Um, his voice is super booming, yeah. and I love it. I need you to yeah find out, find out who that is so I can. I just got a text message that Kanye West is in Detroit right now. Um. All right. So we'll pick this up later. We gotta go. <laughs> all right. Um. Uh, no, quick small segment I want to talk about McDonough is does have you seen in Bruges? Mm-hmm. Does he got a weird thing for midgets or small people or dwarves or whatever we're yes. supposed to call them? Because does he? I think because well, a lot of uh, it's a huge emphasis in in Bruges. He has that one character, and then in this movie, Peter Dinklage, who's actually like a real character as opposed to um, whoever played the the small person. Well, he has Lester Freeman in The Wire, and he was uh, Big Chief on Treme. Okay. Okay, what's his name? It's, uh, I'm sorry, Clark Peters. Clark Peters. There's Big something fan. else we're thinking of him for. His career goes back to the 70s, so he's been doing stuff. He was in Notting Hill. He looks like he's from the 70s in this movie. Oh, Marley and Me, you could be thinking of that. Uh, I don't know. He's Harry and John Wick. 
Oh, yeah. That's where I'm remembering him from. You yep. could be remembering him from um, uh, Chandler and Company. What the fuck is Chandler and Oz, Company? Life on Mars. All right, come, come back to me. We got to get... <laughs> he was Popeye in two episodes of Archer, Blue Bloods. He was a minister and true detective. I feel like he does kind of hover around like prestige HBO stuff. That makes between sense. Between The Wire, Treme, and okay. True Detective. He's great. He was yeah, great in this fantastic. movie. Uh, uh, there's like a lot of good, really good fucking actors in this movie. Yeah. Um, and like the more you think about it, it's like this is a stacked, huge, and this could have been like a really cool ensemble piece. Yeah. Um, Francis McDormand's uh, abusive, insane ex-husband mm-hmm. who is horrifying in this movie very very much so plays the squirrely nerdy brother to kenny powers in eastbound and down and it was so hard for me to see him oh perform weird so well as like an abusive southern dude because i was like i always just picture him as like good for him that's the, like that's some fucking brother. range yeah he was great in this yeah he was very no one's bad in this movie i was frustrated by the fact that uh he comes back to francis mcdormand and they're arguing about you know, what she's doing, and a little scuffle ensues, and he grabs her by the throat. The son grabs a knife and puts it to his dad's throat, and then they all just kind of like, oh, and they put the table back up and go back well, to talking. Well, you're forgetting like, an important uh, part of this movie is... His 19-year-old girlfriend. Dude, get that out of this movie. She was so funny, though. Oh, I hate it. I laughed out loud so... She, she walked great. into the movie from a completely different genre of film. That's why I liked it. Oh, she just walks God. in, she's like, I'm a zookeeper. She's just like an extra on Mean Girls and showed up on the wrong set yes. and did some scenes. Um, yeah, her, like, her two... The one in the restaurant, the one... The scene here, I, I, I actively hate those scenes so, so much. funny. We've got Peter Dinklage, who's wonderful in this. Kills it in this movie. He... As like a like a corn fed American like mustache dude, he plays that so well. Like a master, yeah. And his date with her, where it, yeah, when he leaves, and he's just like, I didn't have to do this. Like I love him. He's like his like line walking away. He's like, I didn't have to hold your ladder. Oh, the and I'm ladder! Just like, oh, it's man. so good. Again, a bunch of really awesome little individual scenes. Mm-hmm. Um. The soundtrack to this movie. I think I slammed it in an earlier episode. Really? I think I did. I feel like I said something negative about the soundtrack. I, I'm going to go ahead and redact that. This soundtrack's very good. Um, this got a nomination for Best Soundtrack. Did it? Which I don't... Well, sure. Um, but I always think that the soundtrack is like one of the most important parts of the movie for me personally. Um, because you can tell like half the story with music. Yeah. Um, and... The big amazing scene um, in this movie when Sam Rockwell, right after Woody Harrelson's death, goes across the street and throws Caleb Laundry Jones out the window. There's this song playing by this band called Monsters of Folk. Okay. Who I've never heard it before. But it is like this, um, I don't even, like kind of like operatic folk thing that mm-hmm. they have going on. And it's just, it, it takes me like out of wherever I am and just puts me right in the movie. Yeah. And that over-the-shoulder camera with Rockwell where he's – this is probably the only time in the movie where I'm sympathizing with Rockwell because he's just destroyed that his best friend just died. This movie was violent <laughs> in these kinds of moments. Yeah. Like the violence was not like movie violence where it feels like there's no gravity or or it's untethered. This feels like very human, like you can feel getting punched, and I did not 
like watching it, even though it was well done. Yeah, when he like punches the girl. <clears throat> yeah. Oof. It's he tough. gives her like one of the like the flat palm. Yeah. Like, I just I I could feel it in my bones, mm-hmm. and I did not enjoy that. I hate being punched. Have you been punched recently? You okay? I don't know why. I mean, not in a couple of years. I don't think I've ever been punched like in the face. I've been punched in the face. You been in a fight before? Yeah. I've never been in a fight. I want to see you in a fight. No, you don't. It's not. <laughs> I'm not a good fighter. No. Okay. No. Well, you've got more experience than me. That's I would ex- let, good for you. I'd let Sam Rockwell kick my ass. Oh, in a heartbeat. I would let anyone from this movie kick my ass just to like hang out with them for a minute. What about Zoo Girl? No, no, no. She can fuck right <laughs> off. Go back I'm... to the whatever. What about Sam Rockwell's mom in this movie? Max's sure. mom. Sure, she's fun. She could whoop your ass. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and talk about uh, some other problematic stuff with this movie and dive into some Oscar stuff. Sound good? Back after this break to take a fight. <laughs> Okay, we're back. Uh, I just got a, uh, a lecture, uh, and I'd like to apologize to all the little people. It is little people that they that they go by. That's that's the end of the episode. I just wanted to come back and that's, apologize. <laughs> that's the yep. And we're done. Yep, that's that. Um, did what? you have? Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, do you want to talk about some segments and have each other guess whether or not we liked them or not? Ooh, yeah, you start off. Okay, Frances McDormand is in her room, and she has two rabbit slippers on, and she's making her feet talk to each other, and she's like, right, go get him, go kill him. I'm going to go kill him. Oh, you better go kill you him. You hated it? I hated yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I I think I blocked that out of my, I just watched this movie like yesterday, and I think I blocked that out of my mind because I hated <laughs> it so much. Um, okay, how about her speech to the priest about the gangs? You joined the gang, man. I was into it. I yeah, that that was probably my favorite scene of hers. Awesome. Um, yeah, she fucking she rules in this movie. I mean, she rules in any movie. When I, I saw that scene, I thought that's a James scene. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> that is kind of a James scene. Um, yeah, that was probably my favorite scene of hers in the whole movie. Um, I do think her best bit of acting is uh, not ever, but in this movie is when the father comes to visit her and yeah, he tells yeah. her that the daughter wanted to come live with him, and she just says, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole that whole scene is very intense, um, minus Lucas Hedges. Oh, surprise, Lucas Hedges is in this movie, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, having Fruit Loops in his hair. Uh, she it's just the second uh, Fruit Loops movie we've watched in this Oscar season, right. along with the Get Out scene. Of There's a lot of weird Loops. through lines this season. Yeah. There's Caleb Laundry Jones through line, which mm-hmm. also, he was in two Fruit Loops Whoa. movies. Oh. He can fruit my loops, man. I love him. He can fruit your loops. You heard it here first, folks. All right. Caleb Landry Jones can fruit my loops. Um, you Not got, Drew. You got, do you have any other segments that you loved or hated? Oh, um, This is a fun segment to do, but also we know each other way too well. I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of one that will throw you. Uh, when... Frances McDormand is using a fire extinguisher to put out the billboards that have been set on fire 
by who she doesn't know yet is her ex-husband. Ooh. You liked that one? I didn't really like it. No? No. No. Uh, She's, uh, again, her, when she yells at, what's her son's name, Robbie? Robbie. Yes. She just kills it in the scene, again. Um yeah, that's a that's a weird that's a weird scene to throw in. I'm happy to see Frances McDormand get like a big meaty role mm-hmm. in something that's not a Coen Brothers flick. As much as I love every time she anchors a movie like that, or even plays bit parts, like when she was playing the uh, film editor in Hail Caesar. Oh God! And she gets her uh, give me some of that. He's caught in the the so good editing machine. It's great. So whether or not she's playing character parts or leads in Coen Brothers movies, I love it. Yes. But it's fun to get a movie where she gets to like uh, kind of play outside of that sphere. Yeah, I yeah, she she gets to do that a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um I love anytime I see Woody Harrelson in a movie. Yeah, I think I love him a lot. I feel like lately he's been a little lazy. Um and we'll get to that in a second because I do want to talk about the Oscars. Um there was one last scene I wanted to address. Oh yeah. To uh, the deer scene where she's talking to the deer who shows up while she's... You hated it. I almost liked it, but I think I hated the it a lot. The deer looked so CGI. I'm okay with that. Like, I don't that need... That cost $400,000, that scene. <laughs> I yeah, guarantee it could have looked a little better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with the deer looking bad. It was just like a weird scene that I feel like was supposed to pack a lot of emotional like punch, and it didn't. No. And then she makes a joke about like Doritos and I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going. One of the few scenes that I was like individually like, uh-uh, no, 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 get this out. Yeah. Um, get out. So anyways, <laughs> we're going to, I want to talk about the Oscars. Sure. Um, this, we'll, we'll go down the list and just talk about each category, but um, obviously got nominated for Best Picture or else mm-hmm. we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, Did not win. Did not win. Right. Oh, oh so. let's, yeah, you know what? Let's, we didn't do this for the last episode, but let's ra- rally this up here. It got one, two, three, four, five, six, eight nominations. Wow. Only one, two of them. So, Oscar losing film, three mm-hmm. billboards outside of Missouri. That's too bad of a ratio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, McDormand won for Best Lead Actress, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with, uh, but I do love her in this movie. There were, I, I'm a Sally Hawkins stan, like, for days. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know what? I, I this is the kind of movie she would win for. I would have rather yeah, seen her sense. win for like Burn After Reading, and she won for Fargo too. I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think she did. Yes, or nominated. I think she got nominated. Um, but this is, I mean, I'm. It's not a bad win. Um, no. no, she is the the biggest and best performance in this. Yes, second, maybe only to our only other win. Correct, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yes. Um, again, I I love Sam Rockwell in this movie. I think he's doing an amazing job with everything he's given. Um, but I probably wouldn't have given this. To, I wanted Willem Dafoe to win this award so bad for the Florida Project, and we, unfortunately, that movie didn't get nominated. I would have nominated that movie over this. Normally, this would be an instance where, because he was up against Woody Harrelson, that they would have canceled each other out in any other Oscar year. Right, and Woody Harrelson getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this film is kind of a waste of a nomination, in my opinion. Yeah, he's just Should being have got Woody Harrelson. Three. Um, I didn't see that one. Well, I haven't either. Okay, <laughs> um, but he he's just Woody Harrelson in this movie. I don't mm-hmm. think he's like packing anything extra. He's not. You know, he's not blowing me away. I don't know why they nominated him 
and Sam Rockwell. Because Sam Rockwell was going to beat him every day of the week in this movie. You know, Woody Harrelson's dad is a convicted, like, uh, Say murderer. organized crime murderer, like a mob murderer, like a hitman. That man. makes so much sense. Yeah. He looks... He's a contract killer. That's the phrase I was looking for. For real? Yeah. He's a hitman? Yeah. That's dope. <laughs> I'm a For bo- whom? I mean, not for his victims, but like... Or for Woody Harrelson. No, but like that's a cool that's a cool thing to say. Like, yeah, my dad's a hitman. You know what are you gonna do? Um, act, <laughs> act. Um, got nominated. Sublimate for... your real feelings into characters. Yeah, which like, he's uh, been doing for a long time. I, I lately he's jump. been what? White man can't jump. <laughs> Holy shit. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, no, that's a that's that a, a great movie. That's a deep cut. Um, I don't I don't think he's I don't, why why nominate him. Um, I would have nominated Caleb Laundry Jones instead. I feel like he's getting residual praise from True Detective. You think so? Yeah, kind of okay. like how like that year, like McConaughey got buzz for Dallas Buyers. No, he won for Dallas Buyers. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's residual True Detective. Yeah, the Oscars are weird, where they're like, "Oh, you never got an award, but you did all this great stuff," and like, "Here you go, Leo, the Revenant." I guess is the one yeah. we'll give it to you for. I don't know. Um, they give him a, an Oscar nomination for this, but they don't give him an Oscar nomination for the last eight seasons of Cheers. It's like, what are like you what? doing? What are you t- Yeah. Like, disrespectful. <laughs> Rude. And um, this year they should have nominated Ted Danson for Best Actor for Cheers. For Not not for the relevant work he's been doing lately. No. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, it also got nominated for Best Score. Mm-hmm. Um, which I did go back. It's kind of a cool score. It's like a weird, like, badass, folksy war song is, like, yeah. the kind of main theme. Um, and you got a couple of, like, original songs from artists that I've never heard of. But it's a good – it's a solid score. Um, it, I guess I, – I, I think I said it shouldn't have been nominated, a lot, like, a couple episodes ago. No, but ago. it scored a nomination. It sure did. <laughs> you did that. I'm full of it today. Um he got a best film editing nomination, which I don't know. I don't feel qualified to talk about that. <laughs> they chopped it up, they put it together, and they did it good. I guess. Yeah. Sure. That you know, I don't know. We always you talk about how the Oscars always nominate most editing or most sound. Yes. I don't think this is an instance where it's most editing. No, it, it doesn't feel like. No, like, I feel like I don't know. Perhaps this. They did a good job of, of turning what could have been a bunch of segments into something cohesive, even though it didn't turn out completely cohesive. Sure, sure. But I think a less well-edited movie would have felt even more like just disjointed scenes put together. Uh, yeah, we'll give it. We'll give them that, the pat on the back. Um, and then the last thing it got nominated, which makes a lot of sense, is Best Original Screenplay, Yeah, which it lost to Jordan Peele for Get Out. As it um, should have. As it, as it should have. I was I was on board for Lady Bird to Get Out, so yeah. I'm glad Get Out won that one. Um, Martin McDonough is a great writer. That's he's a strength. fantastic writer, and like it shows in this movie. It's I, I can't stress I like the movie, but it's there's just something off about it. I think on on the whole. In some ways, this feels like a movie that I I wouldn't put this back on. Like if I were just sitting at home, I don't think I would throw this one on. No. You could no. throw in Bruges on. You could throw. Oh, in you put in Bruges on any day of the week, and I will sit right down. Um. Uh, so I, I think I don't want to get because we were giving out the stuck and suck awards uh, for movies that stick the landing and movies that don't. 
Um, I don't want to say this movie sucks as far as the landing goes, but it doesn't stick the landing for me. No. And this is, I think this is the first hard no for me. I think um, it's a hard no. Yeah. I, it just did, it didn't feel like, you know, the culmination of this movie is these two characters on opposite sides coming together to go murder someone, which on paper sounds like something I'd be signed up for, but it felt unearned. You know what might be cool is if they did like an in media res thing where the last scene of this movie starts the movie off. Sure. And she says, are we really going to go kill this guy? And then you kind of get the rest of the story. Maybe that would work. Because then we would have at least been uh, had a sense of where we're heading yes. with these characters. Because I, I felt like there was a strong direction for Francis McDormand, and I did not know where Sam Rockwell's character was going to go. No clue. But not in a good way. No, not in a good way. I agree. I enjoy when Martin McDonough casts Christopher Walken. Yeah. He, he's had him in The Behanding in Spokane on, on uh, the London stage, and I think Broadway. He's had him in movies. If you were gonna throw him in this movie, Walken? Yeah. Shit. Um, maybe the police chief who shows up at the end mm-hmm. to replace uh, Harrelson. It wouldn't have been satisfying no. because he's white, but it would have. He that was the whole punch of he that. He could have played that role. Yeah, yeah. He's probably that's probably the only role I could. I could have. I would have loved to have seen how weird he would have played Woody Harrelson's character. Like a likable husband with a family who has to kill himself, <laughs> really would be sweet about it because he has can't like that would have been. Oh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll give Woody Harrelson more props because that's a weird character to play. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. He he sold that. I'm still not giving him an Oscar nomination though. No, for this. No, no. Um, you know, but for hopefully his role in Venom, you know, that'll be cool. Is he in that? Yeah, apparently he's playing Carnage. <laughs> What? I don't know. That movie's just wasting all of my favorite actors' time. <laughs> I would watch a Martin McDonough-directed Venom Yeah, movie. in a heartbeat, dude. <laughs> like, in a heartbeat. You have no idea. Christopher Walken as Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck with it. That'd be great. I would, I would go see that movie. All right. You got any last, uh, last thoughts on this one? Uh... I like that Todd Phillips is directing a Joker movie, and I want to see Martin McDonough direct a standalone superhero movie now. A standalone Joker origin film starring <laughs> Caleb Laundry Jones. Let's yes, go. Yes, I'm yes, sure they've yes. already greenlit it. Yes. It's probably already happened. And if they didn't, we just greenlit it. We did. We're making it happen. And we're throwing a Kickstarter up on the website. Uh, which exists. <laughs> which is real. It's a real website. Uh, so if you just go to stickthekick.starter.biz... <laughs> Yeah, just donate so we can get this Caleb Laundry Jones Joker origin film. We need... Set in the 40s. $400. (laughs) That's probably about it. Um, Well, thank you again for listening. Uh, And I think we're doing Phantom Thread next, which I'm so excited for. I'm fired up for that. Yes, awesome. All right, well, uh, this has been Stick the Landing. I am Devin. Me too. (laughs) We'll see you next time. (laughs)